Sister, I'm Andy Murphy. studio I have Andrea Murdoch. She's a creator and owner of Four Directions Cuisine in Denver and she's Venezuelan Indian native. Hey Andy, thanks for having me on again. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and then we have Claudia Serrato. She's Pura Pecha and she's an anthropologist, professor and chef. Hi Claudia. Hi. And then we have uh, Felicia Kokoxin Ruiz. She is a holistic healer and chef. Hi Felicia. Hi. And uh, Marlene Aguilar, community-based chef. She is also Pura Pecha. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Andy. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining today. This is going to be a special uh, episode of Toasted Sister where we're going to talk about uh, being a Native woman in the kitchen. And uh, Felicia, let's start off with you. Can you start off um, giving us sort of a, like a history lesson? Where are women today in the culinary world? Where, where are women in the kitchen? We are in every nook and cranny. We are navigating every part of the kitchen from the dishwashers all the way up to executive chefs. And everything in between, um, I've, I've seen it professionally, you know, working as a chef for almost 20 years now, it was always dominated by men. And now I see, you know, just even our panel today or who we're talking with today, we're, we're everywhere now. And it's um, in terms of a history lesson, it's, it's taken a while for us to get to where we are and I think women have always been in the kitchen, and professional chefs, uh, male professional chefs, will always agree when I bring up this point that their favorite meals come from their mothers and their grandmothers, but for some reason we're not represented the same cooking professionally. So um, in my own experience, we're still I still don't see us in great numbers when I'm out there working in commercial spaces, but I, we're definitely there and we're making our presence very well heard because it's it's our time now. All right. And uh, Claudia, did you want to add to that? Do you want to add um, h- how that makes you feel when you see um, sort of uh, women in the in the background? Yeah. Well, the first thought that comes to me is... Um, I feel that not necessarily that we are, in, yes, we are in the background, but we are also underground. Um, I feel that in my participation in the past couple of years at some of these, uh, you know, Indian tribal food summits, uh, like we are there. We are there not just, you know, creating cooking utensils through clay and making pottery, but we are also teaching lessons on how to skin some of the harvest, uh, like uh, like beaver, we are there representing our collectives 
we are are there in in our ceremony circles, and like Felicia most recently talked about, you know, in our skirts. Um, in the city, I feel that you know we are in our home kitchens producing food, not no longer just to feed our family, but to feed our community. You know, and for some of us, uh, you know, it's even you know kickstarting new food projects. So I feel that. Uh, just to expand a little bit on on where we are in between, you know, from from small uh, food restaurants to you know top notch um, executive uh, chef positions, you know, those are some of our our in spaces, um, and we, and even within those spaces, I feel that. Most of the time, uh, the light or the conversation is placed onto the man, uh, or the assumption is that a man created this dish when, in fact, it was, you know, women and women's uh, intuition and, and sensory ways of knowing that, that cultivated, you know, some of these um, ancestral recipes. So I feel that, you know, we're in the front, we're in the back, we're on top, and we're in the bottom. All right, mm-hmm. that sounds like a good place to be. Um, Andrea, do you want to add on to that? Um, I I kind of have the same um, viewpoint as Claudia. Um, you know, we are in the background, but we're also kind of underground as well. There's a lot of work that we as women chefs, women cooks are doing in the community that a lot of times it's not really seen quite as much as uh, a lot of the roles that the men are in. Um, and I think we're pushing the, uh, uh, the proverbial boundaries, so to speak, and really starting mm. to show what it is that we can do, what we like doing, what we're capable of. And there are it's infrequent that we're accepting less. Marlene, uh, did you want to add on? Uh, maybe you can take us into the direction of where are Native women in uh, the culinary movement? Uh, sure. I mean, I agree with all um, that was just mentioned just now. And I think it's just um, going back to the history, right? And when you're talking about our traditional foods being lost or buried, um, with that is, is also the women, right? Um, we were... And well, we are, and we're reclaiming that, uh, the, the holders of that knowledge and transmitters, right? And so we're seeing that more and more um, become rise and, 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 and really um, inform, you know, where the movement is, is going now, right? And so um, when we talk about the, the Native uh, food movement and, and the women's role, um, we are really uh, remembering our mothers, our aunties, our grandmothers, um, and, and making sure that they're given the place uh, that they deserve, along with also our uh, colleagues that are um, males. Um, but we are, we are doing that as, as direct descendants um, with, with that integrity. Let's uh, start with you, Claudia, on this uh, question I have here. Can you give me some, maybe an example or two where um, maybe you did feel like there was an imbalance in the kitchen, maybe when you're in a kitchen with uh, other Native chefs? Mm-hmm. I feel what I have recently learned from, from, from some of the elders and being, in, being involved in Native circles is that 
that there really is no balance um, within balance. Um, and what I what I have found is that we all carry um, we all carry this this energy, this force. Some of it at times may feel less heavy than other times and I want to say in in the few years that I've been working specifically with those that are considered I would say leaders in this indigenous food culinary movement and you know with other invited chefs and cooks and and foragers and harvesters that you know step into that into the kitchen space I feel that because there at times hasn't been what I would what I would call a, a check-in or perhaps even just um, like a circle in, with with you know a conversation about the intention behind what is about to occur. I feel that sometimes the ideologies that are experienced outside of these indigenous spaces and you know, particularly in the indigenous kitchen spaces, uh, get get perpetuated um, into these into you know the spaces where we're supposed to feel safe, or shall I say safer? Because you know all work environments should be should be a safe space. And within those ideologies, uh, you know, it's very rooted in patriarchy and and also too in in these um, what we call white white supremacist ideologies and. Um, you know, they tend to trickle down and they do cause, um, you know, a shake in that movement. Um, and sometimes it's very uncomfortable because it's not a welcomed um, uh, experience. And so to be very specific, you know, there have been times where along with the pleasure and joy of cooking and being able to work alongside uh, genders of all spectrums, those that tend to embody um, a little bit more of that you know, masculine rush of energy, I have felt being pushed to the side or perhaps my knowledge base where I come from um, has been uh, second-guessed or ingredients <laughs> that I that I have set aside specifically for a meal have been taken or a, a perspective that I have to offer um, have been shunned down. My instinct and the way my body feels afterwards wasn't one where I felt that it was just because of status or hierarchy, which also, too, gets perpetuated, you know, because some folks come in with, like, oh, well, I'm an executive chef here or there, and instead of just seeing it like we're all working together, we're all community, we need to do our best to, you know, smash the hierarchy and smash the patriarchy, um, where I I felt that the reason why those particular incidents occurred was because um, I am a woman or because there's this idea that, you know, that women don't know as much. So, you know, that, that has occurred. You know, it, it's not a really good feeling. <laughs> and uh, Malene, uh, do you have any kind of uh, similar examples or maybe different examples of how if you felt like, you know, it was unfair, there was imb- imbalance in the kitchen? Yes, they're, they're, they're pretty uh, similar as well. Um, but then also there's that dynamic, right, where um, you go into the kitchen and... Uh, when it's pre- predominated by men, and you're one of the very few women, um, oftentimes people will see you as the chick they want to um, holler at. <laughs> uh, and so that's another dynamic that uh, I feel happens in the kitchen, and there's that this balance. And so 
I think they're, they're not given the respect that I feel another man would um, in the same situation. So. Okay. All right. And uh, Felicia, uh, same question. And does that imbalance or uh, unfairness have anything to do with uh, this whole conversation around skirts? Uh, well, like I mentioned, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had to uh, cook in a commercial kitchen, but it was a predominantly European-American kitchen space, um, which I've cooked in before. And I I wasn't surrounded by Native people. I was the only Native person in the in the whole environment. And because I had cooked there before, the one thing that I had picked up on was that they do recognize, like they would call me chef. You know, I was a guest in this kitchen, but they and they would call me chef. But I didn't feel exactly the same cal at the same caliber as their chef that was there hosting the event. And so I kind of just watched things happen. And then when I went back for the next time, um, I had to kind of man up a little bit. And um, mm. I don't know if people understand what that means if they've not been in a in a kitchen, but there's something that happens when you're cooking with women. Um, traditionally, women tend to be pastry chefs, and a lot of times we don't get to work together because they're working such opposite times as we are. But um, when I have had the opportunity to work with Native women chefs, it's okay if we call each other by our first names because we have, like, this sisterhood. But I feel like mm-hmm. the male chef generally would never say, like, yes, chef, or, you know, where do I find this? It's over there, you know, heard. Yes, chef. Like, that lingo is somehow, it doesn't exist. And so when I was in this uh, European-American kitchen doing um, a cooking demonstration, it was interesting because they had all of the the respect, but it was coming from such a different space of you can just tell when you're meeting someone who's genuine and not. And so when I went back the third time to do another demonstration, I decided that I was going to wear a skirt in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it was my own, um, it was like empowering for me to show up in a skirt because it was so unexpected. No one had ever worn a skirt in their kitchen, and, and yet I wore a bright hot pink Mexican skirt with like pom-poms on the bottom. And um, it was something happened and they respected me in a different way. And I felt like I claimed my femininity in the kitchen, but I had my chef coat on. So it was kind of like I had this old world modern thing happening. And, you know, from the waist up, I had a chef coat on, you know, and it was like, they knew I meant business, but then I had my skirt on, and they also saw that I was a woman. And it was just a completely different sense of respect. I'm not done with my experiment, so I'm going to try it again in other places and see what happens. But <laughs> I, I almost feel like that's what what the Native male community, when they see their women from their community in dresses, I mean, it's so symbolic of our culture you know, to be in a skirt and to be in a dress, but we're supposed we're supposed to man up when we're in the kitchen and not let our feminine side show. So for this experience, it was like such a positive experience for me that I'm ready to like test it out somewhere else. So 
if anyone needs a female chef in a predominantly male kitchen, they can let me know. <laughs> so I can try my experiment. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, so uh, is it just like uncomfortable uh, to to wear a skirt in the kitchen? I mean, Andrea, mm-hmm. would, would you uh, would that be a test for you, or would that just be like another day in the kitchen if you wore a dress in the kitchen, a skirt? <laughs> um, I I think the guys in my kitchen might actually fall over if I walked in in a skirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um I I'm such a force to be reckoned with in the kitchen because I am the only woman uh mm-hmm. who works the hotline uh in my current kitchen and uh that's that's how I earn respect um and it's the same thing that I tell um you know students who are in culinary school or um just other women in the industry if we're having this sort of conversation um you know, that's uh, I tell them what I do. It doesn't necessarily have to be everybody's way. But for me, um, you know, my mindset is just be better than the men, be better than them, be faster than them, be stronger than them. You know, mentally, if if you can be physically stronger than the guys in the kitchen, that's super. But, you know, you don't have to. Um, but if you can figure out how to outperform them, basically, a lot of times that's how you do get respect from a lot of men in the kitchen. But unfortunately, the other side of that coin is that's also how you get a lot more crap from some of the men in the kitchen. Um, so to each their own. <laughs> and uh, Claudia, what's, what's that that one time or that first time you felt like a badass in the kitchen? Well, you know, it's kind of hard to really answer that because I feel like a badass every time. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's going in there and just doing a really good work. And I think for me, it's been uh, where, you know, people people doubt you because of your gender or because of your sexuality. And, mm-hmm. and I feel that um, I think for me, it's just being able to to showcase the outcome uh, and for the outcome to be not just beautiful aesthetically, but also where it, you could taste the love. And, and you know, we're, we're even folks that are tasting the food can, you know, say that and share that. And um, for me, I take so much pride in that. And I feel like, you know, and I've been told by, you know, by other uh, Native food leaders in the movement themselves, um, you know, how, how beautiful it is, you know, to be able to present and prepare food with, with this feminine touch. Um, and mm-hmm. how it, it it shows, and it's tasted, and um, you know, for me, it, it's it's just always a prideful moment because I always feel that the odds are against me, um, because you know, I, mean, I might not know how to sear, you know, a, a bison steak, or you know, but I do know how to work with plants. I do know how to flavor flavor them. I do know how to make, you know, raw walnut cream. You know, I do know how to, you know, fluff things up. Um, it, you know, I feel like I have this, this tender touch and, um, you know, I, I, I'm able to showcase that. Um, and because, yeah, I do take on, like, like Felicia said, I do have to man up in these spaces and, you know, be a little tougher and, and sometimes a little too tough. Um, but again, it's to, it's to protect myself, right. From, from, from the, these, these, not just the ideas, but also to the bodies, you know, cause some, some men take to tend to take a lot of space and it's like. 
you know, it's it's not just like, hey, you know, keep your keep your stuff on your prep table. You know, it, it it's kind of like that that ideology where men just kind of sit and open their legs up, right? It's like, well, let, let's kind of you know compress ourselves into these spaces so we can all work together. But I feel like even with the limited space that I do get or that I am able to create for myself in these in these, you know, whether it's a commercial kitchen or whether it's a community based kitchen that um, I'm still able to produce something that is going to feed the masses and that it's going to taste good and that was made with love, um, no matter what, you know, um, you know, obstacles I have to encounter or have to push through or break through, like, you know, glass ceilings and so forth, right, that mm-hmm. are there uh, to keep me oppressed, you know, within, you know, the space that I feel is the most natural space and place to be at, you know, which is the kitchen. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, talking about being a badass in the kitchen, I know you guys have all been uh, quoted in different articles. You guys have uh, your different projects that uh, get attention from the media. Um, but when it comes to media attention, I mean, how does it affect you uh, when you don't see as many Native uh, female names out there um, being touted as much nationally in the media? Uh, Andrea, let's start with you. Um, I I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that women, most women, lack the the level of ego that a, a lot of men have. And that's not to say that there aren't women who have ego, and that's certainly not to say that there are men who are are just completely you know egocentric. There are um, there are also obviously um, um, people in both camps, gender aside. Um, I personally have a hard time talking about myself to to the point where people have actually said, hey, you're 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 here to talk about yourself. You're here to talk about the work that you're doing. Um, And I find myself straying and talking about like, oh, do you did did anybody see that thing that somebody else did? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to talk about myself. Sorry, guys. So I I think that that has um, that that certainly has a, a role in um, how much, I guess, publicity uh, female chefs get. We're not necessarily seeking it out as much. Um, maybe we should and don't have to feel bad about that either. You know, I think there, I've talked to some women who are just like, well, I, I don't want to be like that guy. You know, like, I, I don't, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to come across egocentric. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, you know, I hear a lot of that. I think a really good starting point is for us to kind of have a conversation with ourselves and also as a group of of women and say it's okay. It's okay to talk about your yourself. It's okay to talk about the work that you are or want to do in your community. And I think it's totally healthy to have those kind of conversations and it doesn't have to be egocentric, but it can be um a really healthy conversation to have. Um, so I think if if uh, a lot of us just kind of like let go of that almost shame element of it, um, I I think I think a lot of really awesome things could happen. All right, uh, uh, Malene, did you want to add to to that? Uh, women, native women in the media. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with Andrea. I feel the same way. <laughs> Um, and, and and sometimes I I really much rather focus that energy, um, the energy you would, you would uh, invest in, in 
mainstream media um, platforms or outlets um, and instead invest it in, you know, actually cooking <laughs> and working. Um, and because I, I find most our satisfaction in that, making uh, feeling and knowing that um, I'm providing life to another human being to continue the work that they do. Um, and so that very much speaks to the same, to the way we were taught by mothers, right? In a nurturing sense. Um, but yeah, I agree. I feel like um, for that reason, um, I think it's important to to have these conversations uh, among female chefs and, and create opportunities and spaces where we can support each other by, um, and learn from each other. Um, so we can really elevate uh, our presence in, in the community, in the movement, not from a place of ego, but really to, to, with, with the intention of inspiring other um, women, um, young women, to reclaim their space in the kitchen um, as, as, um, as a responsibility that we have to each other to be, uh, continue to be resilient. And, um, and strong. Claudia, did you want to talk about um, a lack of uh, Native female voices in the media when it comes to uh, putting the spotlight on the Native food movement? Uh, so again, also too, because I do have this academic background, the first thing that comes to mind is how we have been socialized to really, uh, you know, to have this belief that uh, women are less less than human or less than man. Um, you know, this can go back to even just the spelling of woe men. Woe means less than, right? So less than man. And um, so that already, uh, because of, of knowing the, the history and the theory, the theory behind, you know, some of these gender and sexuality, you know, ideologies that, that really, again, right, speak to this these power dynamics, I feel that um, media itself is so you know, it's so gendered and it's so determined to, you know, focus in on the man because, you know, it, it's it's man who knows, um, women feel. Um, and, you know, so men are supposed to be more objective and, and women subjective. And, you know, again, that, that's deemed to be a bad thing. Um, and so, you know, the spotlight automatically goes to man as as, as the knower. And I feel, too, that, you know, specifically for women chefs, that, uh, you know, their experiences in the kitchen, right, um, are almost viewed as, as domestic. Um, because of that and because of, you know, having this domesticity, um, it's almost seen as not as important, uh, you know, because, to, to, because it's, it's more important for men to be able to break that. And if they do, then they should receive the spotlight. Um, and uh, so, again, I feel that, um, you know, women, like Andrea said, right, you really have to, like, outdo some of these people to really receive that spotlight. Um, and, again, it's almost seen like, um, oh, well, all women should know how to do this. So it's really basic. So there's nothing really important to highlight, you know, in, in these social, you know, media outlets. Um, and, you know, but, but it's more important to, to showcase the man because look what he's accomplished and look what he knows, um, you know, look how he's breaking these gender boundaries. But, but yet, those opportunities are not there for women. 
So, you know, it's really controversial. Um, and again, you know, I really blame uh, those behind these media, um, you know, sources and, and these, you know, the top line magazines and these food magazines um, that are always looking, you know, to for, for the best man, for the best chef. And it's always, you know, directed towards that person being male. And and the way we see it in the indigenous food movement, I mean, if, you know, there's, there's not... There's not very much um, media covering, you know, some of the women. Um, you know, we, we're lucky that we see Felicia, you know, in, in some of these magazines. But again, it's it's not really, you know, being circulated as much as some of these other uh, networks and, and magazines and newspapers, right? Um, so, you know, it's very gendered, very, very gendered and very, you know, patriarchal in my perspective. Right, right. And uh, Andrea, I just saw you nodding the whole time. <laughs> uh, Malene and uh, Claudia were talking. Do you want to add anything else? Uh, I was practically doing a fist pump the whole time uh, <laughs> Claudia was talking. <laughs> um, I just really felt like Claudia hit the nail on the head when she said that women in professional kitchens are still seen as, oh, women in a domestic kitchen. It, it, it sums up so much. And that's probably when I started fist pumping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so how does um, all of this, you know, sort of that imbalance, um, uh, you know, the, the, the smaller, tinier, sometimes non-existent spotlight, how does all of that um, affect uh, you guys in the kitchen today and even um, young Native girls who are dreaming to, uh, you know, follow in you guys' footsteps and be the same thing. Uh, Felicia, uh, let's start with you. I feel, I feel, you know, like Claudia said, I have been in, in some media um, things in the past and I look at that moment to, you know, to be in a spot in the spotlight for the month of May or whatever the article is in, you know, to inspire these women. And every time I do get published in something, and I will backtrack by saying that I, I don't know how many things I've been in now, but I would say at least 75% of everything that I've been in has been written by a woman. Um, so I don't know if that has something to do with it also, but I do mm-hmm. feel like women support women and, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, articles or things that I've been in, you know, by men, um, for sure it's been a shorter, uh, article with no pictures and things like that. But the, the, the things that are getting out there about me, um, the thing that I love, um, the most is a lot of times women, whether they're cooks you know, in their in their home kitchen or their professional cooks that have far more professional experience in a large commercial kitchen. Because I'm I'm older than everybody speaking today, by the way. So my days of cooking in a commercial kitchen, twelve hours a day, those are behind me. So when I can inspire <laughs> somebody to say, like, you know, I how what do I need to do? What are the steps I'm taking? You know, what do I need to do to to get where you are, I mean, it, it's kind of like a combination of everything we talked about tonight. It's about I hate to I hate to feel like that, you know. Andrea was talking about making a fist pump, but it, it's kind of like holding our ground 
and needing to man up when we need to, but then also learning how to bring the feminine side, like Claudia was saying, and, you know, working in our confined spaces. I mean, it's about being just, like, pliable. You know, when I talk to these young women who are specifically Native American women and they're interested in cooking, I I feel like they're a little bit scared because, one, they don't see themselves in in the media so much and they don't see themselves in these Facebook groups and things like that. And so it's like if I can help them, you know, in a motherly way, almost saying just get your foot in there and start learning. I I know many people who have um, been successful by not going to culinary school and I know people that have been very successful going to culinary school and I always that seems to be like a really big question that they want to know, like what school should I go to? You know, what do I need to do? And the, the best advice I usually can tell them is to actually just try to get a job in a kitchen first. And, and if you're able to start learning from hopefully another woman, um, just learning almost how to navigate within the kitchen, um, I, I'm not, I think I got a little sidetracked, but in, in terms of like us being in the media, if we're able to inspire others to get into the kitchen in a professional stance, that's huge. And that's what I was saying at the beginning is there's a lot of us that are actually higher ranks of kitchens, but we're just not being, our stories aren't being told. And it goes back partly to what Andrea was saying is that at some point, we have to put, we have to look deep within ourselves and see what our value is. In my own case, I don't have an agent or a booking manager or anything. I work for myself and I'm my own advocate. And so if no one's advocating for me, I can't complain. Like I have to be the one telling other people what an amazing person I am to be in the kitchen with them. And it's like, for some reason, if a man does that, you know, he's he's labeled as like hustling or doing his thing. But like a woman, we get kind of frowned upon like she must be, you know, who does she think she is? And I feel like women in general, we just support one another. And I mean, just the women on this in this talking circle tonight, we all have been in contact with one another outside of, you know, Facebook and, and try to, like, help each other with different things because, it's, we, again, we're our own advocates. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll start with Andrea, uh, Andrea on this one. Um, how, do you, how do you start to get tough in the kitchen and start earning that respect in the kitchen? I know we've been throwing around the word, you know, man up. Maybe there's a different word for it, like woman up or... I think for me... Um, you know, if we're going to avoid, you know, man up, woman up, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> working in kitchens is not for the faint of heart. And that's usually one of the first things that I'll tell anyone who um, is even considering it or they've been doing it for a year and they're like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. You know, if they're starting to have doubts about it. Um, I talk about just being kitchen tough because it really is a whole different kind of toughness, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. And, you know, just like what our subject matter is tonight, especially if you're, you know, a woman or a woman of color in a predominantly male kitchen. 
uh, race and ethnicity aside, if you're working with all men, it's a different environment than if you have even just one other female counterpart in the kitchen or if it is a female-dominated kitchen, uh, which I don't think I've seen a female-dominated kitchen in nearly 16 years now. <laughs> so it's been a little while. <laughs> um, that That's how I go about it. I tell myself, you know, you're it's kind of like... It's kind of like being a gladiator. It's like you're going into battle, <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, I need to be kitchen tough. And if I'm going to get anybody's respect, um, whether it be a man's or a woman's, um, you know, I have to I have to perform, you know, the best of my abilities. And if I can outperform everyone in that kitchen, then I'm I'm happy that I did that. You know, if I if I know if I internalize that and I know how good of a job that I did, if I know that I outperformed somebody else, um, that really goes a long way um, to be able to compartmentalize, especially if it's not being recognized by um, somebody who outranks you in the kitchen. You know what you're doing and just sort of stay the course, you know, be kitchen tough. Uh, Melene, did you want to talk about uh, being kitchen tough or just sort of uh, making a name for yourself? Um, well, yeah, I, I agree with Andrea. I mean, you, you definitely, I mean, we're talking about long hours, standing up, um, and depending on whether or not you have a team or you're doing your own thing because you have to create spaces um, uh, of your own, really, so you can um, be resilient. And so that means sometimes, like, cooking, that means uh, doing the shopping, that means um, creating the menu, that means uh, washing the dishes, that means doing the prep, that means cooking, and then just all of it, right? And, uh, it, yeah, you, you have to be tough, you, um, um, and you have to have a strong worth ethic, right? Um, but I, I always think of, of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my mother is my teacher, right? And so, you know, she, in, in, in her lessons, um, outside of, you know, following a particular uh, recipe and, and the ingredients, she's also teaching me, you know, to to, to have, you know, a, a good work ethic and, and just kind of, you know, if you're going to do something, do it right, <laughs> right? Um but it's um, if it's something you you enjoy doing, you know definitely it's 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 worth it's it's worth the, the hard work, um, and and it's 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 worth making something of yourself like you mentioned, um, and not only uh, from an ego place but really just honoring you know the the women that the, the that you come from right uh, the lineage of women you're descendant of so. Um, yeah, that's that's my two cents. Okay. All right, uh, Claudia, do you want to add on to that, getting tough in the kitchen? You know, so, yeah, I want to say, um, <laughs> you know, in getting tough in the kitchen, I think um, it's just being confident with the knowledge that one carries. Uh, like, you know, Felicia mentioned, not all of us go to culinary school, uh, some of us have been cooking since, you know, since we were little girls alongside our mothers and our grandmothers. Um, and, you know, at, at one point, like I myself used to feel I wasn't very confident uh, with what I know because I didn't go to culinary school. I, didn't, I don't have that tr specific training. But yet when I sat down and really thought about the, the cooking 
abilities that I have and the skill set that I carry, um, you know, and understanding that it's, you know, it's intergenerational and it's been passed down from my grandmother's mother's mother to me um, is when I began to, you know, to, to woman up, right? Like, wait a minute. Like I, I, this is, this is, this is something of um, value here. This is cultural. I want to say, you know, going back to cultural value even, right? Like this is something to be very proud of. Um, And so with that and with, you know, the new knowledges that I have, you know, experienced through, through recipe testing and, and exploring, you know, different aspects of plant-based cooking, whether it's, you know, vegan or whether it's raw food, um, you know, with, 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 you know, flavored up with the knowledge that has been passed down to me, um, you know, to embrace that, right? I feel that it's important to embrace that and to know that, no, this is, this is important. No, like this is, this is, this is, you know, what resilience looks like. Like this is, you know, even, even, even taking it to, you know, a deep theoretical level, right? This is, um, Uh, this is what decolonization looks like, and and knowing that you know that it is a responsibility that we have, and we need to fulfill that responsibility, and you know, so to trust in the journey, um, and you know, w- with all the good and all the bad, because there's lessons to learn, and I feel that you know, taking that into 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 the kitchen and knowing that the experience, you know, there's going to be lessons. To, to, to learn whether it's cooking, whether it's through, you know, social relations and exchange and dialogue and to be able to say, I need a little bit more space here. Like I can't prepare what I need to prepare in this little corner um, and being able to, to, you know, ask the men next to you, can you scoot over? Mm-hmm. Um, and to, you know, to say with a little confidence, even something as, 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 you know, what might seem so menial, but yet it's just so empowering, you know. So I feel that yeah, it's it's being confident with what with what what knows and and to be you know okay in in saying I need a little bit more space here or I need a little bit more help um, and to be able to say it loud and clear, you know. And and yeah, and and like the other women shared, right, getting into the kitchen and just kind of finding your niche. I know when I first came into the kitchen, I was really scared, especially the commercial kitchen, because I didn't know what I was hearing. I thought I was in everybody's way. I felt like I was best, you know, out of the way. I felt that it was best for me to just sit in the corner and observe. And no, it wasn't until, you know, I was encouraged to step out of that comfort zone and step into, uh, you know, a, a, a zone unknown that I began to find my voice, find my space. And uh, so, yeah, it's just really sitting with, with you know, that knowledge of the, of the, of the grandmothers and, and trusting that they're there to protect us and they're there to not let us, you know, be harmed. Um, you know, first, well, we're all coming from different ex- cooking backgrounds and cooking experiences. And, you know, as, as I'm listening to the other women and I'm thinking about my own is, you know, mine's very unique in that I've been a business owner for my whole career. And so, you know, what hearing Andrea say she hasn't been in a all female or predominantly, you know, female kitchen for 16 years, like I understand that, but that my, that was my experience. And you know, when I had my my restaurant for many years, I think we had not including myself, I think I had four female chefs 
working in the kitchen. In fact, we only had one male chef in the kitchen. Everybody else was female, and we were predominantly a POC restaurant, not the, the patrons, but the people working. And so I never had to man up in my own kitchen, and not just because I was in charge, but it that's not my nature to begin with. Um, I am naturally in dresses and skirts, and I do have that feminine piece of me that carried into the kitchen. And I feel like, again, I'm speaking for myself, but because I was able to, in my own space, be authentic to me, which was just being a woman, I had a respect in that space that everyone always said to me up until the day, you know, I had to sell and let my restaurant go, you know, during the recession. It was like people, all of the employees were just like, they had such great respect for me because I wasn't, um, they had all worked in different kitchens where it was that whole male shaming of the employees and putting them down and yelling and, you know, making them clean up stuff in a inhumane way and it just that just wasn't my nature and so I really felt like I had wonderful employees because I treated them the same way that I wanted to be treated and so maybe now you know when I go into commercial spaces and I'm working with other people and I see how they're working I mean it's it's just the way they do treat women is very different. And that is a new thing for me within the last few years, because I, again, I was working in a, a predominantly female space. I, I just wanted to point out that, you know, I may be in this business for a long time, but my experience hasn't been working with all males. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to add something. If that's okay. I just want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so, yeah. So it just, you know what, Felicia, I really like that you bring that up because, uh, you know, Marlene and I, we cook, you know, we have our project called Cocina Malacorini and we do, um, you know, indigenous and plant-based food uh, catering. It is, it is such a great pleasure to be able to work alongside her um, because when we bring in other um, staff to help us at our events, we also bring in women. The energy and the vibration is just so much more pleasant. I mean, it just feels like I'm at home. I don't feel um, tension. I don't feel knots in my stomach. Um, and, and, you know, now that you're pointing that out, I'm like sitting here thinking about it, and it, it's so true. Um, you know, and the only time I ever find myself in these other spaces where, you know, I'm, I'm the minority is when I'm at these larger, you know, commercial kitchen type events that, you know, I'm asked to participate in. Um, and it's where I have to mentally prepare myself to go there and, um, you know, in, 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 in many good ways as well, too, right? Because we get to see our colleagues and so forth and, and learn from the elders and learn from those experiences. But again, it is a very different dynamic. It really, mm-hmm. truly is. And just the idea of having, you know, a, a, a catering business with just all women, just, just that idea that it, it, it already it brings me like so much ease and calmness. And uh, I, I really don't even know how to explain that, that pleasure well, that I find in that visual. Just, just listening to you, though talk about that experience, even just using the words ease and 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, we're talking about having to go in these other kitchens and we just keep on, we all said the same thing. You know, we ha- it's hard work. You've got to be tough. You've got to do all of these things. And that's really frustrating for me to hear as I'm growing older because it, not much has changed, I guess, mm. in this whole thing. And I feel frustrated because, um, you know, when I had my space, like, I was physically strong. I could lift, you know, what came in on the pallets and do all of those things too, but I never felt like I had to prove myself to anyone. And it was just going to work for me was that feeling of ease. I mean, I was working, you know, 12 hour days every day, six days a week. So it's not like I didn't understand the physical part of working. It was just, I didn't have to, like we said, I'd have to man up to anybody. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's, I don't, I don't like hearing this still from younger chefs saying that this is still the culture because I don't know. I've worked with many women who they would physically struggle to lift things because they were on the petite side, but we had mm-hmm. within our own circle to be able to say, Hey, like I can't get this. Can you get this? And then sure I can get this or, it just felt like we worked together more as a collective than as a competitor. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think when we have that energy in the kitchen, it, it's not really helping us grow if we're always feeling like we're being suffocated by having to always man up all the time. We're, we're not men. I understand mm-hmm. that we can still be warriors. We can still have strength and we can still shine in other ways, but we're not men. We're bringing a female energy. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion, but um, I, I just see both sides from being having, you know, worked in both spaces now, but mostly working in a female kitchen. That is uh, very interesting. Um you know, one of the one of the questions I probably should have started off in the first place was, um, you know, what do you think it means to uh, be a woman in the kitchen? Um, Andrea, do you want to start us off? I mean, what, what's sort of like your short definition of uh, being female and native in the kitchen? Uh, the word complicated comes to my mind first. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I do notice how I work with the ingredients. You know what what my hands do with ingredients is different from uh, what a lot of my male counterparts uh, how they handle ingredients. Um, same thing with multitasking. Um, you know, men and women have a tendency to go about um, completing tasks uh, a different way. You know, whether that's you know, as simple as, you know, the guys in the kitchen, they like getting all of their prep done and then labeling things at the very end or, um, you know, or, or flip, you know, vice versa, you know, flip that. And, um, yeah, that de- definitely have a different process um, and viewpoints for sure. I I have noticed, uh, you know, when, when deliveries come in, it sits a little bit longer on the floor for example, okay. uh, when uh, some of the men are in charge of putting it away, whereas if I'm uh, the highest ranking person and I'm in charge of putting the, the food or away, you know, I don't just throw the cardboard boxes with meat in there. 
I pull out the hotel pans and I pull out the labels and I label and date and I write down what it is and it's neatly organized on on the rack and it's very easy to find things as opposed to what's in this box? What's in that one? <laughs> is this on the right shelf? Yeah. Why is there fish on the, uh, you know, on the beef and pork shelf? You know, just simple things like that. Um, <laughs> Um, it's, it's interesting. It's funny. Um, something that I make a point of doing when I'm in the kitchens, um, and, and I know this isn't a widely known thing. Uh, I actually work for somebody else, um, full time while I am building my business because it's still so small. It's a micro business and it's, I haven't found that, you know, you know, that, that balance beam scale where I don't need the full-time job to sustain my livelihood. And, you know, the business that I've created is doing that. Um, so I'm pulling double duty still. And um, regardless of where I am working or if I'm invited to, you know, be a, be a guest chef, a lecturer, uh, demonstrator, like I was at Navajo Tech this weekend, I address people as sir or miss or ma'am. You know, so I could see the students, you know, kind of confused, but also blown away. Like if one of the young men uh, ran and got a, a, a tool for me or something like that, I go, oh, thank you, sir. You know, and he would kind of stop for a moment. Like, you know, you, I could see the thought process in his head going, she called me sir, but she's the chef. I'm confused, <laughs> you know, and, and, it's, and it's really endearing, but I do the same thing in the professional kitchens. You know, um, when I, if I'm, uh, you know, the hot side expediter and I'm addressing the entire line, I address them as gentlemen, you know, it's like, gentlemen, let's do this. I know we're in the weeds, you know, we can do this. So, you know, Mr. So-and-so on salad, this is the first thing I need from you. And then after that, I need this Mr. So-and-so on, you know, this station. And I go down the line and I make sure to organize them and, you know, just try to make sure that they understand I'm here with you. We're all in the weeds, but I will get you through this. Just just trust me because I trust you. And I do address them as sir. And I think that goes a really long way to show that respect, regardless of what my rank is in the kitchen or my gender versus their gender. Yeah, yeah. I would like to uh, eventually see all of you ladies in action. Sometimes, I mean, um, but but I, I, let's go let's go down the line some more. Uh, Marlene, um, how, how would you describe yourself as a woman in the kitchen, or what what's your definition of uh, just uh, being a woman, uh, indigenous woman in the kitchen? Oh, wow, um, I see it as a great responsibility, right? Um, it's it's a uh, it's one you know. Um, Relearning or remembering or um, or just continuing um, the food our, our food ways as passed down by by our families and um, so so it's it's a great responsibility um, it's also a great joy um, to do that and to be be able to be of service in this way. And, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's one being diligent, um, being respectful, uh, to, to the people you work with, to the places you go, uh, to the ingredients that you work with, um, um, and then also just being supportive, right? Um, like, uh, Felicia mentioned, um, you know, just oftentimes we women, um, 
can't, especially in the kitchen, are very supportive. And so continuing to do that with our, our, our female colleagues, but then also doing that with, with our male colleagues, like Andrea mentioned, um, so that we can really uh, change things up. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, and so, and it's and it's also a great honor uh, to be able to to do this, um, uh, and and honor to share space with uh, you ladies. Um, and I look forward to to seeing you all again soon. And uh, Andy, I look forward to meeting you too. Awesome. Yes, I look forward to meeting you too. Um, uh, uh, Felicia, uh, do you want to add on to this list of uh, what it means to be a Native woman in the kitchen? For me, it's what it feels, or what I feel like in the kitchen every day is that my kitchen's not simply my kitchen. <laughs> um, for a lot of us, our kitchen's also our office. Um, it's where we're making medicine. It's where we're nourishing and making breakfast for our families. And I'm talking about the home kitchen and the commercial kitchen, because even when I was a restaurant owner, my kitchen was also very much like a home kitchen. It's, you know, it was a place of meetings and dialogue and list making. And it it wasn't simply cooking. It was the, the heart of my life. And that's how I feel like it is here and at my house. I just feel like for us, we, you know, we're very, we're adaptable uh, when necessary. And I kind of feel like my kitchen has a female energy and my kitchen also is very adaptable. <laughs> All right. Uh, Claudia? Yeah, going off of uh, Felicia, um, you know, I was sitting here thinking too, like, well, what does it mean to be, um, you know, a woman in the kitchen? And and for me, you know, I be I thought about nurturance. I, I did think about family. I think about, um, you know, being able to take back the house. So I feel I feel being in the kitchen, being a woman in the kitchen for me is um, is is powerful. Um, it also I also feel like you know, like a medicine woman, right? I, I, I'm mm-hmm. working with, with herbs, I'm working with plants, I'm working with, you know, all these different plant relatives and each one of these plant relatives, like they too, you know, carry messages, they too carry stories. And so I feel that being a woman in the kitchen is also, um, you know, taking on the responsibility, as Marlene said, to also be a storyteller um, because you get to, you know, Storytell. You get to create these recipes and put them together, and and in that process, you know, a story is is, is unfolding. You know, whether it's one that speaks of resilience or one that speaks on the plant ecology, right, or one that just simply speaks on, um, you know, how how these are all in relationship. You know, so so that's something that comes to mind is is just being you know a caretaker, a nurturer, uh, a storyteller. Um, and, and and a parent, you know, you, 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 you create life, you give life. Again, you know, the, I, 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 at times I even see the kitchen as, as a womb, right? Uh, that, that womb space where, you know, new life is, is emerging, you know, and, and flavors and, um, uh, you know, essence, you know, being able to, to, to brew that up, right? Um, I feel, you know, even within the context youth here in L.A., we, we speak a lot about, um, 
you know, bruja, right? We, which is, you know, it could be derogatory in some in some senses, but the way it's used within these cultural spaces that I'm in and out of, it it, it speaks to just having the power, having that knowledge of, um, you know, working with food, working with plants. You know, some people speak of it as, you know, bruja feminism or indigenous feminism. But I also feel that, you know, in some degree, in some level, um, it also speaks to that, um, you know, being being a palabra, being, um, you know, a voice, a voice of the ancestors, being um, being a channeler of that. Um, so I feel that, you know, being in the woman, being a woman in the kitchen is is also being being more spirit. Um, and, and, you know, and non-human, yet human, you know, in that exchange, in that, in, in that dialogue exchange. Um, so, you know, it's something that is, is cosmological. Okay. All right. And uh, this, uh, I had a question for you, Felicia, when you mentioned um, medicine. Uh, do you see this, um, you know, food as medicine, uh, I guess, movement happening more often? I know I'm starting to see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, food as medicine, um, you know, within uh, the the native um, culinary circles. I mean, is this something that uh, is, is catching on and, and is it going the right way? I think we're moving in the right direction for for sure. Um, the only I do feel like that phrase is being overly used by everyone, and I'm not against it because it's important. I think if I could add one word to it, it would be the the word "our." Food is our medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mm-hmm. feel like um, when we're in the kitchen and, and we're preparing these foods. Um, we are making medicine. We're not. I don't. We are making medicine with our food, and so it could even be backwards. Is saying medicine is our food, where I just feel like when people are just saying food is medicine, I mean they could be talking about you know, I'm talking mainstream. You know what I see out there. Food is food is medicine. Food is medicine. But I feel like when we're saying food is our medicine, we're kind of reclaiming what we've known for so long, and we're just kind of bringing it back into the spotlight once again. All right, and uh, last question, ladies. Um, I noticed that uh, all of you have roots in Mexico and South America. Um, wh- where do you see, you know, the flavors from Mexico and South America within the native food movement? Is it, is it there or does it need to be maybe strengthened? Um, Andrea, you want to start us off? I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's there, but I, I think that it could um, be highlighted even more. And to an extent, unintentionally, that's what I've been doing. You know, I, I'm usually the only Andean native who's at these food sovereignty um, conferences. And, and it's a lot of fun because people are curious and they want to know um, what is native to, you know, what is originally my part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of fun for me. And um, quinoa is an ancient grain of the Incas and all of the ancient civilizations um, who have been in the Andes, and it's also so mainstream now that um, I actually had this conversation this morning. We were discussing what the crop has become. You know, are the farmers being forced to take pennies on the dollar just in the name of production? Something that I hope to see um, with more of our native foods, regardless of, you know, north, south, central, Mexico, all of that 
is almost more of like a fair trade uh, sort of system where, you know, yeah, sure, you can go out and buy Bob's Red Mill, but where did that amaranth come from? Where did that quinoa come from? Whereas if there's something with um, like a fair trade certification, uh, like coffee has, like cacao has, and a lot of chocolate that you see out there, maybe that's something that can happen down the road. But for now, I just have a lot of fun, um, you know, cooking with the foods of the Andes and really teaching myself a lot um, because I'm adopted. So a lot of what I'm doing with food is really a personal journey for me. And every time that I make something that I do public, I'm I really am putting myself out there um, much more than I am usually comfortable with um, because I, without, you know, a lot of people don't know that I am sharing a, a deeply personal journey through food. And it's a lot of fun for me. It's terrifying on a lot of days, but it's also really, really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a food high, yeah. you know, so I'm kind of riding all of these waves at once. Um, so I'm just having fun doing that while I can. <laughs> Uh, Malene, did you want to add to that? Uh, you're in Mexico right now. Uh, where do you see um, uh, indigenous Mexican cooking within uh, the indigenous uh, culinary world? Uh, yes, I do see. I do see some influence, and and it's great. Um, um, I just um, I just wish there we would use that more an opportunity to to kind of remember those relationships a little bit more, like the trade routes and and, and whatnot. Um, it's it's great to see that you are seeing some influence and there is um there is some some presence there. Personally on, on my end as Mexican, um I think it's also important to reclaim your your regional uh Mexican cuisine, um, because oftentimes I think a, a problem when we're talking about Mexican cuisine is so general, right? But uh Mexican gastronomy is is very complex depending on what uh, region you're from, and um, and so I think that's something as as a Mexican chef, as a Buda Buda chef, is something that I want to do more. So when I do engage with um, with my relatives, uh, northern relatives um, in the culinary scene, we can we could talk about the the particulars and and, and just the nuances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's something that I feel, um, as, as Andrea mentioned, it's a journey. And as um, I go through the journey, I'll be able to, to learn more and more and hopefully share as, as we move on forward. All right. And uh, Felicia, you want to add on to that? Well, um, unlike um, Marlene and, and Claudia, I'm also... Um, I'm of Mexican descent, but unlike them, I don't know where my family came from um, mm-hmm. because we've been in New Mexico for so long that those stories have been lost from which region um, we believe that our family originated from the area of Zacatecas, but we're not 100% sure. So when I'm highlighting our Mexican foods, I, I try to connect with the foods that seem to be calling to me. And, you know, it's a little bit difficult because so much of our history is about people who have been moved around. And, you know, we don't know sometimes where all of our roots are exactly. So 
kind of like um, Andrea, like I'm, I'm learning more about my family just from that area, but I don't have a specific region that I'm, you know, really focusing on. The thing about New Mexico is, you know, we're such a an area, um, at least in northern New Mexico, where we're such a blend of, of the Pueblos and, and Mexican culture and Spanish culture. You know, I know I'm not the only one like this, you know, who doesn't know where their family comes from, but it's definitely something that I see even in New Mexico is a lot of the Mexican people up there don't feel like they're Native American. And I'm just curious what everyone else thinks about that also within this mm-hmm. movement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Claudia, did you want to um, maybe address that, uh, feeling feeling indigenous, um, you know, in, in North America when your roots are in uh, Mexico, South America? I, I want to say, you know, because I myself come from a, a really huge city and I live on the east side, so a lot of us are brown folks, I did not know that a world existed outside of L.A., for example. I, I grew up thinking Mexican, being Mexican, like everything about, you know, my existence was Mexican. And it wasn't until I got older that I began to understand, oh, wait a minute, you know, there's a history even behind this. And when I began to voice myself as an indigenous person, identify myself that way, um, some folks, whether they were in the Chicano, you know, community or they were from other, you know, tribal communities, they're like, well, you're not really Native. And it was like, well, wait a minute, what makes me not really Native? You know, so that happens a lot. Um, but I want to say even from my own, you know, adventures traveling all over, all over, you know, Turtle Island is that I've seen even within popular movements, right, where, um, you know, some Native perhaps, you know, are more white passing, but yet, you know, they're still considered more Native than, than myself, who isn't white passing. And, you know, it gets really complicated, right? It gets really, really complicated, you know, which is why I think, you know, it, it all goes back to the food. Like, how do we bring this back to the food, right? And I feel that one of the best ways to really represent my indigeneity um, is through the foods my parents ate and their parents ate, right? And, you know, which goes back to uh, the question that you asked is, you know, do we see uh, you know, this this blending together, coming together. And, you know, I like I like the rest of the women do see it, but I, I want to say I don't see it enough. You know, I do see, like Andrea mentioned, there are certain products that are coming from Mexico or South America that are being highlighted or featured in northern native um, foods like, you know, like the quinoa or amaranth, right? Um, but there's still so much more, and, and the same thing with the technologies, right? The different utensils, the different, you know, preparation methods. Um, some of our, um, some of our, our drying methods, um, our sazon, right? The spices and seasoning, and you know, our recipes. And I feel that even myself, as I begin to learn more and more about my Purépecha history, and also to my Huasteca history. You know, I have to taste the flavors. I need to taste the foods that my, my family is making. And then I, I always think, oh, how can I introduce this, um, you know, to into one of the food summits? How can I recreate this uh, using, you know, bison and creating that, you know, honoring those trade routes? How can I redo this? But I feel that, you know, just in Mexico alone, like the level that we are at right now here in, in, in the northern area of, of the of you know, the Americas, you know, and the way the movement is going here, 
that that's already been done in Mexico. Like in Mexico, it, you find it everywhere. Like it's so common. Um, it's like, oh, of course you're going to have, you know, tamales de guasonle or, you know, tamales de aguacate or you know, these, these particular native ingredients that are almost part of, of every household now um, or have been. Whereas in, you know, in some of the native food movement, it's like, oh, this is a new ingredient. And it's like, no, it's that we need to, you know, integrate it more. Um, so I feel that there's a lot more work to be done in, in you know, doing our best to really represent, um, you know, this, this entire indigeneity that, you know, really speaks to Turtle Island. Because then otherwise we're, we're only privileging certain certain foods um, and, and placing them as, you know, as as a higher, high, higher value in taste. And I think that's... that's <laughs> You know, beyond the point, because then that just perpetuates, you know, this this culinary hierarchies that have existed already, you know, taste hierarchy. And I feel that, you know, it's important to continue to, you know, integrate these different recipes and different ingredients so that we dismantle all of that in all shapes, ways and forms, even when it comes to the serving and serving of our foods and the creating of recipes. That was Claudia Serrato, Felicia Kokoxin Ruiz, Andrea Murdoch, and Marlene Aguilar. Thank you to Claudia for helping set up interviews and coming up with this show idea in the first place. I'm Andy Murphy, creator, host, and producer of the Toasted Sister podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to Toasted Sister on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. If you listen to The River, that's R-I-V-R, Rising Indigenous Voices Radio, you could catch Toasted Sister episodes on Sundays. But check their schedule because it's a new online radio station out of Alaska that focuses on uh, music and programs for young Native people. Check it out at therivr.net. Also, Toasted Sisters broadcasted on KCZY 107.3 FM in Crown Point, New Mexico. That's my hometown. If you're going to Indigenous Comic-Con this week, come on over to the Podcasting 101 panel on Friday, November 10th. I'll be talking about what it takes to interview Native chefs, edit audio, and produce Toasted Sister. 